well well we are back on the high seas of justice chandler at last the waters they are not calm the waters are getting choppy that's correct i can't believe we've only done a week of this oh no 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 oh no 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 we have only done three days of this trial we are not through the first week i don't know how much more they can give us because i feel like I've been on the high seas of justice for the past 10 years. Like, not that I'm fatigued by it or anything, but I, there's just so much. And it's all right. I want to talk about at every, you know, every dinner table, every round table, you know, any situation. All I want to do is, is talk about. Yeah. You know, the thing with this trial, too, is it just keeps getting juicier and it's mm-hmm. and juicier, grimier, dirtier and right. more interesting. And honestly, it's such a it's such a rabbit hole to go down and a maze to wander through, because this is what I'll say is the most interesting thing about this trial. There really is for an objective, you know, non-complete deaphead worshiper or not a total herd nerd, although yeah. those are like oh my basically gosh, as I, rare. I didn't know her fans had named themselves. No, that's, I that's my I that's that's the worst that's, name I've ever heard. That. <laughs> the herd nerds. <laughs> so bad. I named them that. Um okay. that's actually yes, that is my moniker for all Amber Herd devotees, the herd nerds. Anyway, um the thing that's the most interesting about thing about this trial is that if you're even slightly objective, there is no easy, clear answer. Like, yes, right. of course, they're both psychotic. That yeah. is apparent. Yeah. But there is no one true, complete villain. And I know a lot of people are going to feel a little nauseous as they hear those words come from my mouth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because most of the coverage that I'm seeing is complete, just like Johnny Depp. Right, right. Uh, Worship. Sycophantry. Apologist. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. This podcast, though, what we're doing here is actually just recapping and breaking down the trial. We are not here to just spin a narrative. Right. So if we if had you're mom, interested in this true fine journalism, go ahead. If we had mom on the podcast right now, we would be getting full Johnny Depp apologist. I want you to know that at Sunday dinner, mom was basically standing at the pulpit, you know, giving oh. a devotional on Johnny Depp's uh, betrayal Virtues. and... And his, yeah, like how he's been so wronged. You know, honestly, there is just like mom's ability to essentially just throw out all of her moral guidelines and rules based on a beautiful male face. It's it's Lauren, dizzying, but it's also like astonishingly interesting to, you w- took to witness. The, you took the words out of my mouth. I said to her on Sunday night verbatim, I said, you have double standards for men you have crushes on. <laughs> yes Donald 100%. Trump and Johnny Depp yes uh, absolutely um okay anyway back, back to the hottest man according to her yeah the most bangable pirate did we get in trouble for that by the way because you're with her right now in Utah I mean she thinks that we are spilling lies so oh we're so we're just that. in hot water regardless regardless it's like, we're in hot water I mean we've the cuss also, words we've started cussing and I I'm, I want you to know I'm blaming it all on you because I do think you're cussing more than I'm cussing but I'm just heaping Correct. it on you I'm like Lauren Lauren is just fully disregarding the promises she made to you for coming on the podcast and I'm really sorry about that <laughs> I mean 
so I, but does she feel that our, um, our defamation of Johnny Depp is like bigger fish to fry for her on the high seas um, than our cussing? I don't even think she's listening. I think it's, we're so far gone. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, we are here to give you a full breakdown, but before we get to that, let's chat a little housekeeping. If you're listening right now, it's still April. This debut is April 27th. Mm-hmm. I want you to know that you can still enter our giveaway. We are giving away a $500 shopping spree. Yep. Basically, all you have to do to enter is screenshot our podcast. Yep. Recommend it on your stories. Link. It ha- you have to include a link to one of your favorite episodes. And, you know, just say how much you love the pod to your right. followers. Um, and you are entered into our giveaway. Tag us so we see it, obviously. Yeah. If you have a private account, you have to send us a screenshot. Um, and you're entered into our $500 shopping spree giveaway. Um, we'll write you back and say you're entered, got your entry. Thank you. So if you don't hear from us, definitely bump that. Since we've started the Johnny Depp coverage, the DMs have been completely on fire. Right. I mean, at least 200 DMs a day, at least. Yeah. So probably more like three or four. So anyway, it's been crazy. So if we're trying to get to everyone, we didn't get to you please bump that so we see it um yeah but yeah that is how you enter the giveaway to by spreading the good word of pop apologists and you will disqualify yourself though if on the recommendation to your friends you say that it's part of a giveaway so that's the only thing we ask is that you don't say that this recommendation is to enter a giveaway we're only asking you to enter if you would have already done this and you just Mm -hmm. need that little push that little push to take action right okay Great housekeeping, Lauren. Great housekeeping. Yeah. Uh, I just am really good at prostrating myself to the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really one of my vices, but virtues as a co-host to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, on that note, you looked very hot in your Instagram stories, for the record. Oh. Oh, this weekend? This weekend, yeah. Oh, when? When? This weekend? When? <laughs> you know, good. Oh. Remind me again? Moving right along. <laughs> Um, okay. So let's go. So today, another, we have another note. We are going to be discussing days four and five and part of day six of the trial. Okay. We are going to get through. Well, it's a a business week. So yeah, we'll have gotten through Monday through Friday, but then you guys, when we get into midday six, the cross-examination, we are moving coverage of this onto the Patreon. So, um, if you are interested in continuing with coverage, we will have a fresh episode of Pop Apologists on our Patreon, recapping the cross-examination, continuing the recapping on Patreon. So right. if you want to continue with this, go ahead. The reason for that, we explained this on our Patreon episode last week, which uh, I will be teasing today. Um, the reason why we are moving this to the Patreon is I think there's going to be a lot of coverage and there's a lot to say. And I think it would be pretty fatiguing for our main audience to have to listen to, to basically subject them to nothing but Johnny Depp coverage for the next month and a half. Correct. So we think that it's more of a special edition thing. And so that's why it's going on the Patreon. And so we'll keep our regular episodes, you know, filled with our normal, you know, regular standard programming, if you will. Mm hmm. Yes, exactly. Because not everyone is down to become Depp heads and herd ner- or herd right. nerds. <laughs> oh, God. 
analysts, researchers, PhDs in all things this volatile relationship for the next six weeks. Mm -hmm. All right. So shall we resume coverage, Chandler? Shall we set sail on the high seas, on these choppy waters? Day four of Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. Dr. David Kipper gives video deposition. And I'm going to kind of sail through these depositions and testimonies of okay. like the errant medical professionals okay. only because really like the juice gets good the juice gets delicious when Johnny takes the stand and we wanted to, to get to that as quickly as possible okay so I've prepared a brief rundown of these and I will highlight anything that's truly of note okay, okay? great Okay, so David Kipper, Dr. David Kipper, who I mistakenly said was his on concierge attorney. He's not his concierge attorney. That was a slip of the tongue. He's his concierge doctor, Dr. David Kipper. Mm-hmm. Um, he testified that Johnny suffers from ADHD, bipolar disorder, and insomnia. I think the oh, fact wow. that Johnny is bipolar is a little bit um, not heavily reported on, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he also, that's, yeah, that's, go a, ahead. that's a serious mental illness. Um, Correct. That honestly, to me, yeah, validates a lot of the claims from the other side, but go ahead. Right. It at least casts some sort of suspicion on the complete Deadhead apologism, which all I see, literally all I see during cross during cross-examination on these Instagram accounts and TikToks that are supposed to be giving coverage of this trial, basically when anything bad is happening about Johnny Depp, all they do is focus on like piddling coverage of his looks, of how cute he looks wiping Mm -hmm. up coffee, of how cute he looks putting in his chair. It is seriously pathetic. Grow up. If you're going to say you're like covering the trial, cover the trial. If you're going to turn into a, a Johnny Depp fan account, own that back to the doctor the good doctor so dr david kipper says that johnny suffers from adhd bipolar disorder and insomnia depression anxiety and drug addiction he along with nurse debbie lloyd was with johnny on the island in the bahamas to help him with his drug detox program okay he said he saw johnny in person once a day then Mm -hmm. and spoke to him on the phone several times a day he saw no evidence of abuse with johnny depp or amber heard during the detox okay Amber Heard became a patient of Dr. Kipper's between August and October of 2014. Mm-hmm. Nurse Erin Borum was assigned to Amber. Nurse Borum is a mandated reporter, and she never reported any evidence of abuse. Okay. So okay. that is interesting. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, you if there was, you know, abuse of Amber, the idea is that Miss Borum would have reported it, although she was only her nurse between August and October of 2014. And the key incidences of domestic violence that Amber cites are in 2015. Okay, so Depp heads don't just don't rejoice just yet. (laughs) Um, Dr. Kipper went to Johnny Depp's home the night of his finger being cut. He cleaned the finger and went into the house to try and find the missing finger tip. They found the fingertip in the kitchen. What a, what a sentence. He I, saw Amber. Go ahead. I still don't have clarity on what exactly happened, how the finger was cut. Go ahead. That's because there is no clarity. There's no 
they're the story Chandler is completely ridiculous the story does not make any sense and it's a little offensive that anyone thinks we're buying that he had his he says that he had his hand on a counter and that she threw a a this vodka mineral bottle spirits? at him this or this is not this is vodka bottle not mineral spirits he always says a, gl- a jar of mineral spirits or something. He I mean, at least weird way. The- I'm like, just say you threw a bottle of Pellegrino, like <laughs> a jar least- of mineral spirits. Okay. No, you know, he said bottle of vodka. At least, you know, there was an antiseptic within the bottle. That was, sure. you know, silver lining. Uh-huh. Um, but, but I just think that I don't think that a glass bottle, that's a blunt object. That's a blunt object. It's like, not like a sharp knife. That's the only re- way I've heard of people cutting off their fingertips is when they're chopping something with a super sharp yes, knife. Exactly. As someone who has done that, actually, who has literally cut off part of my fingertip. Oh, I don't want to talk about um, that. Yeah. Like it, I did it while slicing th- with a knife through kale and my mm-hmm. finger was in the wrong place. Oh, okay, um, okay. It's another story for another day. Yeah. It's um, us. But yes, it is just a little the somewhat some something's not forthcoming. Well, and what I think happened here's yeah. what here's actually okay, what I think okay. happened. Um, and this is I guess perjuring myself or not yeah. perjuring myself, but betraying myself. Hand, I'm not. I yeah. guess a comp- I guess I'm not a completely objective reporter. But there's a lot of like interesting knife play in the audio recordings of Johnny and Amber. Um, and I know that there's a audio recording of him tell- telling him, telling her to cut him. And she gives him a knife Oof. for his birthday. So I personally believe that he cut off his own finger <sighs> in like a craze of rage. But he doesn't want to say that because like he's too embarrassed by such like embarrassing oh behavior. Oh my gosh. Yeah, if that is true. Um, that like, they both like are completely unhinged. Well, in the recording, he's like, "Cut me, cut me. It'll feel so good to cut me." Basically. Oh, so I'm anyway, we'll get there. Up. We're. Th- I have eight pages of notes for three bullet points in. Okay, so we gotta keep moving along the high seas. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. So. He cleaned the finger. He finds a missing fingertip. He saw Amber, who seemed upset but had no evidence of abuse or injury, no bruises, cuts, etc. No other injuries on Johnny other than the cut finger. Although this is actually refuted later with photographs because what Johnny says is that... Well, actually, you know, I'll get to it during his testimony. Okay. Keep the um, keep this ship a sail. Yes. Okay. So his nurse never saw any injury photos from Amber or any evidence to believe abuse had taken place during her time. But again, it was only a few months in 2014 or like, yep. yeah, five months. Right. Um, in December of 17th, 2015, Amber heard receives a physical exam. This is very significant because Amber alleges that on December 15th, two days before 2015, mm-hmm. Johnny assaulted her, giving her two black eyes, breaking her nose, pulling out her hair and giving breaking her, her bruises nose? around her head. Yeah, you would think there'd be like more evidence if she of a broken she, nose. A broken nose is like no joke. Also, I will say Amber Heard had an incredible rhinoplasty, like one of the best you can get. Um, but again, that's that is a side note. If you look at her in Red, uh, the movie they met on versus now, Rum she Diaries. completely. I think Rum Diaries. Yeah, she. I, I think that it looks like she's had a like her nose was slimmed and refined a little bit. Mm, but anyway, okay. 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 Um, so Amber alleged that he, yes, he physically assaulted her, gave two her two days black be- eyes, broke her nose. Right. Two days before two, this physical exam. Two days exam. before this physical exam. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, 
And basically, um, during the exam, she did not disclose any abuse, only saying she had a headache from hitting her head two days prior. A concussion check was performed. There was no concussion and there was no evidence of any injury during the exam. No marks, no bruises, et cetera. And those would have been noted. On August 8th of 2016, Amber Heard requested all of her medical records for December of 2015. So one kind of interesting note is that, you know, you would think that she would have requested all of her records if there was an ongoing repeated abuse or even multiple incidents, not just one month. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. okay, okay, so we've concluded with Dr. Kipper's testimony. Now let's move on to Debbie Lloyd. Okay. Debbie Lloyd was Johnny Depp's assigned nurse. She's a certified drug addiction nurse who specializes in patients who need psychiatric care. Mm-hmm. Um, she, in her testimony, she rec- she answered, I don't recall a lot. She pulled a little bit of, a, of an Elizabeth Holmes. Mm. Um, and while this is frustrating, it is important to note that nurses are trained to answer this way because they don't want something they say to be twisted to mean something else. Um, so this is basically just like when you're a medical professional, you're, I guess, trained to only really report on what you 100% remember to be fact. Got it. Okay. That's very, that's, yeah, that's very interesting. Okay. So in August 24, on August 24th of 2016, when asked via text if he was doing okay, Johnny Depp responded to Debbie Lloyd saying, pretty much, and then added a very long response about cutting off his arm if it looked uh, gangrenous, okay. which is, yeah, kind of strange. Yeah. This would have been after the Australia incident um, where the fingertip was cut off Ugh. in 2016. Okay. There's so much talk of like knives and cutting limbs and I just, it's making me queasy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got to take Dramamine when you go on the high seas. Okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> November 11th, 2014. Text between Nurse Lloyd and Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp says, I don't know what's real. I don't know if it's just jealousy or anxiety. So basically this was when Amber Heard was at a party and he was talking with Nurse Lloyd about his jealousy or if it was anxiety. Okay. So one of the things that does happen, and I want to okay. point this out before before we get your commentary, yeah. is that Johnny Depp 100% admittedly um, has the had the behavior when he was in a relationship with, John, with Amber of getting jealous. Mm-hmm. So he was jealous when she would attend social events without her. Uh-huh, without he him. wrote, he took, he took his bloody fingertipless <sighs> finger and wrote on a mirror, Billy Bob and Easy Amber, basically accusing Amber of having an affair with Billy Bob. I mean, just imagine, just imagine that's who you're married to, a guy who is so, is so, like, I mean, this, this is not, not even the words. I, okay. Two things. This is not like some wounded, broken man who's just being abused by this woman. Like this is someone who is in their own right, manic, unhinged clearly has serious serious issues of their own that's what i'm trying to say is this is not a docile englishman sweet loving yes like these people both have their demons clearly so let's all just try to remain objective that's the problem the virtue is the virtue is the mean okay another sidebar Um, hold on Debbie Lloyd. Okay, what? Does Debbie Lloyd yeah. want to be talking to Johnny Depp about how he's, like, jealous with his girlfriend? Like, isn't she, like, off the clock? Like, she's probably, like, I just like to deal with your, like, you know, health stuff. I don't really want to deal with your, like, love stuff. Right. Poor Debbie well, Lloyd. Well, I think... She doesn't get paid enough I for think this. that... I, I don't think he was, like, utilizing her as a low-key assist or uh, uh, Emotional, I think yeah. He was, yeah, I think he was doing that because Debbie Lloyd 
what ha- could prescribe him medication probably because she's i think she is a nurse practi- practitioner still, yes she is a nurse practitioner can you imagine so telling your doctor to get medication yeah but can you just imagine telling your doctor like i don't know if it's rage i don't know if it's jealousy like <laughs> i don't know why that seems so bizarre I, to me honestly i know i know and the, uh, okay you know what it just reminds me of it reminds me of when i was potentially going to get a procedure i had this um had like a consult this will be 30 seconds at a consult with this doctor and I was like I'm just at this point in my life where I'm about to get married everything is going so great my 20s were so hard (laughs) I went on this whole spiel of like I'm so happy my my fiance loves how I look I don't know if I should be doing this like I don't know if it's the right I don't even know if it's necessary and like after my whole big spiel about the time of my life and like you know the stakes were so high my wedding was coming up he just looked at me and he was like so um yes it will be a change and this is what I would do. <laughs> like he gave me no commentary right, right. about any of the spiel. He's like, oh, he's like, what you're saying is that you are experiencing some anxiety about potentially getting this procedure. Right. Anyway. He's like, I'm not unpacking this I did. with you. Yeah, it's totally. So I'm not your therapist. Although I didn't have, he was not on my payroll. He was not my concierge you know, physician. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure the concierge physicians, they can handle it. Nurse practitioners. They wear multiple hats, you know? Yeah. yeah. Damn straight. Okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Let's, let's set a sail. We're again. moving on. Yes. Um, so in March of 2015 is the Australia incident. Apparently there are multiple accounts on how his finger was cut at the time. It was told at the time that it was possibly that Amber Heard cut it after throwing a glass bottle, possibly that Jam- that Johnny slammed his finger and phone on a table. No, um, no still doesn't make any sense with why it would uh, you would have a piece of it cut off. Correct, correct. Um, Nurse Lloyd provided Johnny Depp with follow-up care for his finger. She noted that it did not appear to be a crush injury, which would negate mm-hmm. the finger phone mm-hmm. table allegation. Nurse Lloyd testified that she observed multiple times that Amber Heard would be instigating Johnny. Johnny would try to walk away or leave the room, and Amber would follow him, mm-hmm. trying to get him to talk. She witnessed a conversation when Johnny tried to talk to Amber Heard about a prenup, and Amber Heard was not happy about it. That is really significant because... You know, his his attorneys or her attorneys in their opening statement were like, Amber wanted a prenup. She wanted him to be secure. He didn't like her attorney. He called her attorney a bitch. Like, like the idea, like the fact that this third party is saying, no, she did not want a prenup. And obviously anyone with their head on their shoulders would think About that would to be marry. self-evident that um, she wouldn't want yeah, one. Yeah. And he would. But anyway... Johnny called Nurse Lloyd saying that Amber Heard's sister had stolen his Adderall, Adderall, which um, was provided, prescribed that for his ADHD. Amber's sister had stolen his Adderall. Yeah. This is yeah. just, I think this is Can't just these like. Can't stars uh, just get their own Adderall prescriptions? Like, it's just, it's not that hard to get. No, no. He had his own prescription, but Amber Heard's sister stole no, some I of know. it. No, I know. I'm talking about it. Amber Heard's sister. I'm like, can't she just get her grubby fingers on her own prescription? Dude, I feel so bad for Amber Heard's sister. I think Why? Amber, Amber Heard's sister from... I don't know if it was an insider who DM'd me or something, but um, now we're getting all sorts of insider DMs, which I'm loving. And and, and Johnny says that he recognized something super wounded in in her sister. Mm. I think her sister is like a victim of some her. Amber Heard abuse. That's for yeah. sure. Sad. Um, okay. okay. Nurse Lloyd testified that she never saw Johnny or Amber get violent with each other. All right. We're moving on away from medical professionals to mm-hmm. Johnny's chief security guard, Sean Bet. Yes. Okay. We all house need to manager? Take sh- no. 
not house manager. No, okay. chief security guard. Okay. Um, so he's a previous LAPD officer, someone we would curtsy to, had experience speaking to juries. He came across, however, as very biased. Seemed to be mm. he seemed to be trying to get information in during his testimony that would be objectionable. Okay. So he, for example, he would say things like the scratches that Amber gave Johnny, re- referring to scratches that were on Johnny's face. So. Mm. Like basically hearsay. Yeah. Um, he never saw Amber give him scratches, but he referred to them as, you know, the scratches that Amber gave Johnny. So got it. He definitely had an agenda. Yeah, exactly. Um, he never saw Amber hit Johnny other than Amber throwing a water bottle once. This is what's so is this strange. The mineral is spirits? Like, Maybe I've, this is the mineral spirit. No, this it's not it, it is not declared whether this the spirits are mineral <laughs> whether they are still it doesn't really say okay okay um it's just so strange to me like all this throwing stuff i've never thrown a single thing at anyone no it's it's demons it's true demons it's it's really wild i i wonder like yeah i, I don't also, know it's just also just mis misbehaving like people who just cannot yeah. act with any type of like I don't know, self-control or decorum. It's like, I don't know, I, very childish, both of them. I'm just honestly too tired of a person to be like going around throwing stuff. Like then right. you have to go pick it up. Like, exactly. I don't know. No, I just no, feel them. like... They have I a just... concierge house picker upper. Oh, that's true. I just feel, I would be, I do not even have the energy to be like this level of psycho at all. Right. You'd rather, just send, you'd rather send a cutting text. I'd rather just keep the peace, literally, Absolutely. and not. Well, I don't like also, any sort of contention to a fault. Yeah. yeah, I also I don't I don't think that I'm like a great. I don't think I'm great at fighting, if that makes sense. Like I don't think I, I I don't derive any type of pride from like winning an argument, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. These people, honestly, it just goes to show. Like he's bipolar. She obviously mm-hmm. is off her rocker, right? And this is the fuel that basically they burn to stay alive. Like yes. this is and what I, they live for. They love the drama, and I'm sure they're super hot for each other with it too. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. They like it. It's exciting to them. These are people mm-hmm. that like to live on the edge. Um, and I was actually having an interesting conversation with a friend about how like. People should be allowed if they if this is the lifestyle they want, right? Like people don't have to interact in the very benign, tepid way Chandler and I interact with our partners. Like they don't have to have these like, you know, completely sanitary. Completely sanitary. Just like Yeah. Completely just kind, nice relationships. You know, some people want to interact and they want to have charged, fueled interactions. Mm -hmm. They want to have this kind of they want to do this, engage in this kind of um contending with right, the other right. in their life right and i think that she was saying that adults should be given the freedom to do that if that's the language they want to operate in and yeah. that's like basically if they just operate anyway. like if they're always like at an eight on like the passion scale whether that's good or bad the problem is is that when when things get dicey and one takes it public and ruins someone's career then i think well then that's yeah. when we arrive in fairfax virginia right yeah okay off the rails though let's move forward okay he says that he at times saw physical injuries on johnny so he says that after the australian incident that johnny had a swollen eyelid and cheekbone and pictures showed that injury Mm -hmm. um and that he also saw scratch marks on his face after an argument with amber okay um 
And, you know, there actually is documentation of Johnny on the gurney in the hospital when wow. he has the broke the cut off finger with these marks in his cheek and according to johnny he later testifies that amber came over to him after he cut off his finger and put out a cigarette on his cheek so this is just the way they like to this behave is, this apparently. is um, yeah this is the way that they operate they are like level 10 <laughs> at all times hot cold whatever maybe that was kind of sexy right. i don't know like yeesh okay like on some level, as we're describing all of this, it's also like some French art film that could be like super sexy. Yeah, it has like um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, like, I don't know, energy. Yes. Um, okay, so May 25th of, of May 21st, 2016, that inf- incident between 7.15 and 7.45 p.m. This is the incident where like Johnny breaks up with her, essentially. Johnny went to the Eastern Columbia building to get some of his things. Um, he asked his two bodyguards to stay there um, just in case they heard screaming and to come in. They waited outside the penthouse 10 minutes in. They hear screaming. They go in. They ran o- run over and find Amber Heard with a friend. Amber Heard appear- appeared to look surprised when the bodyguards were there and said, that's the last time you'll do that to me, Johnny. To which Johnny <laughs> looked very confused. <laughs> Amber Heard impression is, is really good. That's the last time <laughs> they'll do you. this to me, Johnny. Yeah. Um, uh, Thank you. Honestly, my acting chops. Um, Okay. The bodyguard did not see any signs of injury, no swelling, no marks, nothing on Amber. And apparently she did not seem to be like holding her face or anything that would say that she had like behaving like she had a recent injury. Um, He said that he never saw any violence from Johnny toward Amber. Um, and then the problem is though, that during cross-examination, he impeached himself a few times over details of the, of the situation. And apparently he just was like an inconsistent, not that credible witness overall. Got it. Okay. Okay. So finally, before we get to Johnny Depp's testimony, the juiciest part of this, we have one more to get through. That's Keenan Wyatt, the sound technician for Johnny for more than 30 years. Sound technician. Concierge sound technician. That, That sounds like a job I would like. Well, what's interesting about this is obviously as you rise up the ranks in being a movie, you can become more and more of a diva. Um, And Johnny, you know, always had his own sound technician because a lot of times he would be fed lines through. Got it. Right. Right. Um, So this. So one of the things that is brought up is like, you know, this is his this is his sound technician. Obviously, when Johnny works, Keenan works. Mm -hmm. So there's something about him, you know, having a investment in Johnny being successful um right and right. potentially a conflict of interest so yeah. again we can take this with a grain of salt so the main reason he was called was to refute amber's claims that johnny had lost work due to his bad working reputation not due to the washington post me too article mm-hmm. so that's part of her de- her defamation defense is basically like not only did this happen but you lost work because you were a f- a shit show right you were late all the time you were a mess you wouldn't even memorize lines so Mm -hmm. anyway uh keenan is here to set the record straight um he testified that johnny was great to work with easy to work with that he collaborated well with directors he testified that he a disney executive came to talk to johnny in a very friendly manner to talk about his future collaborations while on the set of pirates five so Mm seeming like they you know had full interest in keeping him aboard the ship they're like we'd like you to remain the most bangable pirate for the next five series exactly exactly we're gonna have you be the most bangable geriatric pirate 
he admitted that Johnny came to set late a few times, but said it wasn't a huge, huge issue. He said that, yes, sometimes he would, you know, act with an earpiece in his ear, but sometimes it was just for music to listen to between lines. Sometimes it was for lines or between like, you know, breaks. And he said that sometimes Johnny would rewrite his own lines. Okay. So he t- testified that Johnny had a very Monty Python-esque dark sense of humor. So when it comes to someone, like we posted this reel of Johnny, you know, texting his friend Paul Bettany um, some really horrible things about what he would do yeah. to Amber, what he wanted yeah. to do to Amber. Yeah. And apparently, apparently he just has some crazy dark sense of humor. I don't know. It's pretty embarrassing I mean, regardless. It's pretty vile. Like, I think like the necrophilia I, stuff, it's. I, yeah I don't know that to me that's that's a that's a step further than just a dark sense of humor yeah if I I mean I if if I found out that Kagan said any of those things about me I just would be like beyond horrified like horrified. utterly embarrassed yeah. yeah and just like you're vile but again we're not operating within the same you know uh, avant-garde and honestly, edgy crowd and sh- language sh- that they live within right and maybe they were dark to each other you know like they- uh, for sure yeah yeah okay so um he testified that he took jo- vacations with johnny and his former girlfriend vanessa paradis he said that he never saw johnny get angry or violent with vanessa or the kids they drank together and he said that johnny's behavior never changed with the drinking other than getting a little sleepy yeah he said he never saw he said he never saw johnny yell at amber or abuse anyone he recounted an experience when he tried to speak to amber on a plane from boston to la amber responded with how dare you speak to me and went and he went back to his seat he did see johnny drinking during the fight but johnny did not appear to be intoxicated and did not see johnny and did not see johnny be violent with anyone else on the plane amber's attorney during cross-examination tried to demonstrate that keenan while he was not on the payroll that he definitely requested to be on every movie set johnny was on thus you know strengthening the argument that if johnny didn't work keenan didn't work right however uh Keenan basically said that he has other projects that wasn't totally true that didn't involve Johnny Depp and that his pay and accommodations and perks were all comparable with Johnny Depp's projects. So um, we have gone know. through successfully all the yeah. characters now. And just to so just to level set for a minute, these are all of the witnesses that the prosecution is calling. Correct. Correct. And correct. and and are they is their last witness Johnny? Like what's what's the science behind the ordering you think? I don't know. That's a good question. My guess is that's going to be their last witness, but so, who knows? So I, mean, I pray. If it's a 6-week trial. No. Oh no, no, no. They're having Elon Musk, remember? But it's so right for Johnny. Yeah. 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 I don't I know. know. I don't know about the order. I I'm sure it has to do with people's schedules too. So Right. It's um, just kind of interesting but, because we're only what we're on the second week. So like is six weeks are we supposed to know what's happening or like the verdict at the end of the six weeks? I believe so. Okay. Okay. Um we'll see if we get through all of this, to be honest. Like we'll see if our audience wants us to keep going. We're definitely yeah. going to need encouragement to keep going. We'll just keep going as long as it's holding a, you know, an interest for everybody and for us. Like as long yeah. as it's, it's interesting to talk about. Yeah, this is definitely going to be a very long journey right. through the high seas. So I hope everyone has brought some fruit and vegetables on board because mm-hmm. 
so they don't get scurvy. Okay. Um, <laughs> How long have you been sitting on that scurvy joke for? I, I honestly just thought of it. Like that is the level of wit, <laughs> metaphor, ref, referential commentary that I bring to this That's podcast you, as yeah. your co-host. You really you bring a lot. I mean, I will say that the high seas of justice has stuck. And that was yours. Or was it mine? No, it was mine. I said, did we oh, just have, sorry. do we have, do we have an episode title? And you're like, mm, I don't know. But lo and behold, high seas of justice. Let's go. Okay. 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 Well, let's move on to Johnny's testimony. I'm so excited to discuss this. So this is really, really, really where I think that we get a lot, a big picture of their mm-hmm. life together painted and his childhood and everything. All right. Johnny's testimony. Johnny takes the stand and his attorney asks him, she looks him in the eye and she says, why are we here today? He says that six years ago, Amber made some quite heinous and disturbing accusations against him of criminal acts, not based in any species of truth, and that it was a complete shock and that nothing of what she accused had ever occurred within the relationship and that he had never been accused of any of this before. And so today is about clearing his name and today is about telling the truth wow yeah one thing i really want to call out before before i before i jump the plank into the high seas of justice with y'all is that one thing that i wish he had done and i wish his team had done was not paint him as as such a completely virtuous person Mm And been a little bit more, I think, even-handed and kind of shown his darker side. Because when we get to his cross-examination and a lot of the stuff comes out, it becomes hard to reconcile with the vision that he's painted. But yeah. I'll, And I'll explain that more in detail yeah. as we get into yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So Johnny makes a stirring speech about how he is an intensely private person. And this trial is nothing he ever wanted. And... You know what? He he's not embarrassed. He's not embarrassed having all the details of his life revealed because you know what, Chandler? He is telling the truth. Right. It's his he truth. He says he is a person who is obsessed with the truth. He goes, the truth, the truth. But in his like English, fake English right. accent drawl, the truth, I, the truth is so important. I'm a person who's obsessed with. Honestly, what? The, how what slow he talks. He sounds like drug addled. <laughs> his brain. Right. Like, well, he's, un- unfortunately, yes, thing. he's a movie star. He's an actor. Like everything is incredibly deliberate, and and it's a show. Right. And the jury knows that. They know he's a professional actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he says this trial is about what is right and what is true, and righting the wrong that his children have had to suffer because this lie about their father became believed around the world. Mm. Wow. All right. So his attorney asks him about his childhood and he speaks very sympathetically about his mother's verbal and physical abuse. Mm -hmm. He says that he was usually the source of his mother's ire. And whenever she went into an episode of rage, she would direct, you know, that frustration at him. Mm. He says that she was not just physically abusive, but but mentally and emotionally. If any of the kids had any sort of deficiency or something wrong with them, she would make fun of them and ridicule them. Right. I heard about the he one said eye she would thing, also, right? Yeah. Like she called one kid four eyes because they wore glasses. Um, just like really cruel things. Right. Yeah. 
So he said that she would also instruct his father to use his belt to whip them. Mm -hmm. And that there was one time specifically that his father whipped him, even though he swore he didn't do what his mom accused him of. Okay. And that later his father found out that he really was innocent and apologized. But he said his mother was never capable of apologizing. Okay, interesting. Um. He says that he saw his dad punch a wall three times in frustration with his mother. But other than that, he was a gentle person that never got violent. Mm -hmm. And he says that one day he came home from school. He was 15 years old and his dad was gone. Mm. He said that his mother was in shock and disbelief that his dad had left. Um, And that just one day simply she came home and all of his dad's things were gone. Were gone from the closet, gone from the house. Johnny at 15 years old uh, drives over to his dad's work and he sits down in front of his dad and he, and he says to him, it appears someone stole all of your clothes out of the closet. Mm -hmm. This is like pretty heartbreaking. And the dad just says, yeah, yeah, I'm done. I can't live with her anymore. (sighs) You're the man of the house now. Oh my gosh. And Johnny says he wasn't ready to hear those words. Yeah. And he says that afterward, his mom went into a deep and dark depression. And one afternoon, Johnny came home and, or was home and walked into the living room and he found his mom in the fetal position with drool coming out of her mouth, kind of foaming at the mouth. And it was clear she had overdosed overdosed and tried to commit suicide. So that's extremely traumatic for a teenager to witness, of course. Um, And he said when she got out of the hospital, her depression was so deep that even at 5'2", she only weighed 70 pounds. Oh my gosh. Um, She just basically completely, yeah, became this you know, a ghost. Yeah. Um, and he said he was really upset with his father for leaving mm-hmm. in such a cowardly way. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that, you know, the reason why they're talking about this is he's going to say later in the trial, I stayed with Amber in spite of her abuse because I witnessed what it did to my mom mm-hmm. when my father left. Yeah. So that's kind of why this is relevant. Right. Um, Johnny says that, uh, his girl, Vanessa, Mm -hmm. pay attention to that language because again there's a way that johnny characterizes people and then there's a way that johnny characterizes people in you know texts and emails that are admitted into evidence and they're quite disparate you know monikers Mm -hmm. for these individuals um so let's just say that he refers to his girl vanessa in a very sweet way on the stand, but in text to Paul Bettany, he refers to Vanessa, the mother of his children, as the uh, French extortionist C-U-N-T. So, you know, tomato, tomato. But anyway, um, he says that when Vanessa got pregnant, he knew exactly how to raise children, and that was to do the opposite of what his mother did. He said that instead of saying no to children, that you need to explain to them that they have options and to explain consequences. So instead of saying, don't stick the wire hanger in the electrical socket, explain to them that they could do that, but it would kill them. Mm. And he said that no is just such an abrupt word and it's not a good idea to basically have your children surrounded by no's and always hearing like that abrupt no. Yeah. So that was obviously kind of a traumatizing part of his childhood. Yeah. Um. And he said that he and Vanessa were extremely intentional about never raising children or never raising their voices around their children Mm -hmm. and never arguing in front of them. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that this is really kind of laying the groundwork for is that Johnny really cared about his kids and wanted to be a good dad. And having what sounds like a very peaceful home life for them. Yeah. And one of the things that Amber does in her cruelty is whenever they're fighting, she basically... 
talks about his kids mm-hmm. and there's recordings of this yeah. of him talking about what a terrible father he mm-hmm. is. So anyway, um, just a little bit of kind of context for why this, you know, why this really matters. Right. So, um, the tur- the attorney asks him how his early childhood experiences impacted his relationship with Amber. And he says, well, at the beginning, Amber was too good to be true. Miss yeah. Heard. He refers to her as Miss Heard at the trial. He says she was loving and smart and attentive, caring, funny, kind, understanding. She loved obscure blues music that he loved, and she was literate. You know, she had lo- she loved literature. And he says the first year and a half were amazing. So this is interesting. He says that after he would get home from work, every you know every evening they had a ritual where he would get home from work and he would sit down on the couch and she would remove his boots for him mm-hmm. and bring him a glass of wine mm-hmm. and he just basically says he had never experienced this kind of this kind of level yeah. i think of someone really caring for him yeah and you know he says it was just incredible for the first year and a half but then one of the first red flags that he saw one of the first things that indicated that there could be issues in the future was there was one day where he got home from work and she was on the phone and busy and so he took off his own shoes yeah and she apparently got really upset when she got off the phone and came over and she said no that's my job that's what I do and got very kind of frustrated with him about that and he said he thought that was kind of weird so bizarre and he also yeah he also said that he she was very controlling of his bedtime that he had to go to bed at the same time as her. Mm. And it really, really bugged her um, and really frustrated her. She got really mad at him whenever he wouldn't. So just some interesting Why? tidbits. Okay. That, that feels more normal. I sometimes feel that way in my relationship about bedtimes, but um, what, uh, what do you think the boots thing is an indicator of like just control? Um, I, well, I think that a lot of times these really, really toxic, you know, people with these personality disorders, they are as, I mean, it just cuts both ways. Like they're as amazing as they are horrible. Like they at first seduce you with their, with their words, with their Mm -hmm. actions. And they really kind of, it's like what dad said dad's like when dad's big relationship advice when finding a partner is that like sometimes people that are too good to be true like they it's like kanye it's like the love bombing to kim like it's you know like you don't want someone who's who's so incredibly over the top well yeah i mean i think the the high high highs make for very low low lows right and like it's just not really sustainable Mm -hmm. to always be there to like also, it's a little weird to me. The boots like, thing is super I don't know. weird. It's I like don't... it's like this is, he isn't like in the 16th century or something. Like you can take off. This also sounds kind of gross. Like I don't want to touch someone's boots. <laughs> also, it's like also it's just so you're in LA. I mean, wear sandals. Why are you just... wearing boots? Well, that's that's my thought process. It's like of course, even in LA, right. you know, with Johnny's like grunge hipster mm-hmm. aesthetic, he's always wearing his. Boots. She like he's such a man. Right. He's always in his boots. She would take off his shawls and his man jewelry and his boots. <laughs> yes, exactly. I just like I'm. Oh my god! It's interesting and to bring s- him his cigar and tobacco <sighs> and pipe. It's interesting to see him in like clothing that's not shredded uh, up on the stand. <laughs> right. 
there's just such a commitment to the grunge aesthetic. Yes. Yes. Um, and even in the way he speaks, like, know. there's so many little things he says that are just so incredibly, I think, contrived. Yes. Like, people I don't mean, really even, speak that even way. Even when he says she was into literature, it's like, <sighs> are they obscure blues music? It's just like, it's so annoying. Shut up. It's just really that, it's that high school guy who was reading Bukowski who never matured mm-hmm. out of that persona. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And yeah. I'm like, I, I guarantee you she didn't listen to that obscure blues music before she dated you. Guarantee. Correct. Guess what? She she heard you talking about some boring ass music right. on the set of Rum Diaries. Right. And decided, this is my ticket to fame. Mm-hmm. I'm going mm-hmm. to become the person he wants me to <laughs> exactly. be. Exactly. So it's a smart move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. He talks about his career in Hollywood and he talks about going from being a musician kid from Kentucky to a global celebrity requiring 20, 24 seven security because of the absolute massive fame brought to him by pirates. And he, he has this other thing where like, he's like, he's like, Oh, it's, I don't like to think of myself as famous. It's still weird. It'd be so weird to ever be the kind of person who was used to paparazzi. Like, I'm not used to it. I don't even like saying the name Johnny Depp because I can hear the commodity in the product and I'm just Johnny ugh, from Kentucky. Ugh. And it's just like, come on, man. Right. You own an island. You have like... You can just... <laughs> right. You don't have to masquerade yourself as like somebody who, you know, had just all this fame thrust upon you when like you're in... Pir- you were going to be in Pirates of the Caribbean 3. <laughs> Like, we know that you're more at home at Soho House, West Hollywood, than at some, like, dive bar in Kentucky. We know that. We know you're a fancy person. And this is, but, Just but you know what? This is why it. I think he has such a cult following. Because he parades around as just, like, this humble beginnings, like, you know, small town boy. Right. With a fake English accent. Yes. I was shocked when I found out he was from also- Kentucky, for the record. <laughs> i know it's just the. it's just like it's obviously just a lot of ego but it's fine you know what you know honestly if i looked in the mirror and i was johnny depp and i was most america's most bangable pirate it'd be difficult to get, fit my head through the door right. so i get it absolutely okay so he uh, talks about how when he would go on trips with his family that he would simply just he's like people stay in a hotel but I stay in a hotel like I stay at the hotel like he's like I don't go out to dinner with my family because it just causes too much commotion too much stress and and chaos um he says if I go to dinner with them when we leave there's 40 paparazzi out, paparazzi outside mm-hmm. sounds kind of fun to me <laughs> like I don't see the problem no I'm sure that I'm sure that would get old I'm sure oh you think really yeah, I mean, I think he also probably had a level of paparazzi that was, like, so, so much. Like, truly, like, yeah. cameras and so many pictures. Like, he, he really is such a mega star. Um, that's it's true. Yeah, it's like, true. especially when you're with, like, kids and stuff. Like, I don't, I can understand that. And you just want to, like, get dinner. You don't, yeah, you're not, like, you just, like, and you just, It's not always, like, you're, like... Right. Yeah. I will say, though, that, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I do also feel, like, with so much security, like... There should be a way for you to avoid most of it. Right. Absolutely. Anyway, okay, but we're, we digress. Um, so he says that um, his mom would always ask him to bring him, bring her, her... Nerve pills? Ask him to bring her, her nerve pills. Mm-hmm. Yes. And how did you know? Oh, you, you've I've, been watching yeah, some? I've seen some. And so he says that at 11, he noticed that his mom would just you know get a lot happier after taking a nerve pill Mm -hmm. and so he started popping her nerve pills and that's when he basically his kind of pill addiction Mm -hmm. not really began but that's when he you know got his first taste 
Yeah, which is pretty wild. So wild. One thing that's I thought was interesting was he said that some people, you know, you know, people take drugs to have a good time to party. He says that was never his experience with drugs. He says drugs for him were always a way to numb. Mm -hmm. They're always a way to escape pain and to not feel anything. Right. Not to heighten his experiences or heighten his emotions and senses. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, clearly painting him. He also painting the picture of him being very, very, very broken. Right. He says that Amber's characterization of his drug abuse is extremely overblown and basically false. He says the only substance he's ever been addicted to was the roxycodone. Mm -hmm. And he explains that taking those pills was not a matter of getting high, that they were prescribed for pain originally. But um, and then basically he just became dependent on them and taking them was the only way that he he was basically just always staving off withdrawals. Right. So there was Uh, nothing about and and going numb with them. Yeah. Yeah. They were not about getting high. Yeah. Then he talks about meeting Amber and he says he met her while he was producing, helping produce and cast Rum Diaries. And he said the director he was working with said he had auditioned this girl five times and wasn't sure. And he wanted Johnny to meet her. And so they go and meet her and Johnny immediately thought, he said, this is who Hunter S. Thompson would have wanted. This is Chenault. This mm. is a girl who could kill me. Mm. So I think that was kind of in that. I mean, obviously he's like saying that, you know, at the very beginning, there is an X factor to her. Yeah, totally. Um, I feel like we need to watch um, Rum Diaries for our research. Well, Rum Diaries was set in Puerto Rico, which is interesting. I know. I feel like we Um, need to watch it. Yeah, I feel like we should too. I'll be honest. I did watch the shower scene for research. Um, and that he describes, so there's this shower scene where he's taking a shower and her character comes in and kisses him. It's pretty hot. Yeah. And he says that that first kiss, there was something absolutely there. Right. But um, he also paints himself as quite chivalrous. Yeah. And he says that, you know, there was an opportunity in the film or there was, you know, it was supposed to be that she was going to be nude dancing in a crowd. Like she, you know, it was this drunken night and she was going off and having this wild time. Yeah. And it was a scene. And he said that he devised a plan where she could wear a red bra and... Right. Uh, basically hold a red bra up above the crowd and that would be imply the nudity she wouldn't have to be naked so obviously he's not, he's trying to paint himself as not this like skeezy older dude um, he says that during the shower scene he definitely felt something that he shouldn't be feeling given that you know Amber was with someone at the time and Vanessa he had Vanessa and he always refers to them as the kitties I don't know I don't love that the kitties something a little yeah he says that after that shower scene he she came into his trailer later that day and they had a glass of wine together and listened to some old blues right uh boring and yeah and they kissed yeah and he says that she wanted to stay in the trailer um and that he says it, it wasn't a good idea because there, there, his was the only trailer in the lot. Everyone would know they were in there together. Yeah. And apparently there were a bunch of people trying to move it anyway. Yeah. So he says that between that point and the press junket, there was no romantic interaction with her. He and Vanessa break up, break up because Vanessa wanted to go back to France to live her life as the famous singer that she is in France. And the only real interaction he has with Amber is that there was a white dress that Amber loved from um from filming rum diaries and that he um you know asked the asked like the costume person if they could send it to her so i thought that was kind of interesting like obviously that's an overture obviously he was trying to connect Um, which is fine you know whatever yeah he says at the beginning yes she was his perfect partner and they had this thing where so 
One of the things that he wanted her to really kind of be able to um, embody was a sense of stillness mm. um, during during filming. And so he had her watch a film with Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. I forget the name of the film. Yep. I didn't write, write it down. But in the film, Humphrey's name is Steve and Lauren's name, Lauren Bacall plays Slim. Yep. They call each other Steve and Slim. And that became their nickname for each, nicknames for each other. Because in that yeah. film, he is 45 and meets Lauren at 19. Yep. Um, and they fell in love and they were together till uh, the end of his life. So right. that was kind of like there i guess you know obviously they kind of modeled their relationship and romanticized it as you know a new generation's take on that yeah yeah okay so he talks about being very fond of her parents always arranging special nights for them in austin whenever it was their anniversary um you know taking her family on vacations putting up her friends and family in his various penthouses Mm -hmm. never charging Mm -hmm. rent so basically you know he's this very involved kind boyfriend yeah Yeah. um which i don't think anyone disputes he says or the attorney asks the attorney says at what point did miss hurd's behaviors behavior start changing Mm mm-hmm and he says just at some point he started to he noticed that he started to become wrong about everything didn't matter what they were discussing even if it was something that he had been doing for 30 years like filmmaking he was suddenly wrong and if he tried to explain himself tensions would heighten he says she could not be wrong about anything and you'll remember that his mother could not be wrong about anything Yeah. yeah his mother could never apologize yeah he said that arguments were always completely circular and that they would start in one place and come back to that place and that there was no way to ever talk through them they were basically just spirals up and up in tension that kept tightening yeah he says that it was impossible to argue with her that she had this jackhammer way of talking it was like the the marriage therapist said yeah and he was endlessly berated and treated like a fool um and honestly when you listen to the recordings this is absolutely true i mean it is absolutely maddening to listen to the recordings of them arguing because he really does seem coherent and logical Mm -hmm, and like he has mm -hmm. he has a real point to make and she just seems like a psychotic abuser who will you know is relentless will not is utterly relentless like he will i mean it's just it's beyond crazy but we'll get to it so um he says he was never allowed to be right or to have a voice and he was just stunned how wrong he had become mm-hmm. about virtually everything. And he says that some people search for weaknesses and vulnerabilities and sensitivities in people and then they use that, those things as verbal ammunition to send, the, to send their victims essentially mm-hmm. into a spiral or a tailspin of depression and confusion. And he says that at one point he just realized that he was in a relationship with his abusive mother. And he says that Ugh. as these arguments would escalate, he did what he did as a kid and removed himself from the situation mm-hmm. in order to find peace and in order to escape. And he said he would lock himself in rooms constantly, anywhere she couldn't get into. And if he did stay, that the arguments would escalate into her being violent against him, striking out, slapping him, striking him, throwing wine in his face. Yeah. Um. He said his purpose in the world arrived when his first child arrived and that he had one purpose and that was to be a good father. That was all that actually mattered to him. And she said, and he said that during these arguments, 
she would say what a terrible father he was Mm. and it would needle him about his kids. And one of the things that she did was that whenever he spent time with his kids, that was a huge source of problems for them because she would get very jealous. Mm. Um, And it's, he's just says that at some point his brain and heart started to really shut down after continually being told what a terrible person and father he was. And yeah. he knew it wasn't true. Yeah. And all he wanted to do was escape and retreat because the bullying had become too much. Right. So his attorney says, well, why did you stay? Like, why did you stay in this? Yeah. Um, and he says. Why did I stay? I stayed. I suppose because my father stayed. I suppose because I had been in a relationship with Vanessa. And that was lost. And I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to fail. I wanted to try to make it work. I thought maybe I could help her. I thought maybe I could bring her around. Because the hamburger that I knew for the first year, year and a half, was not this, was not this, um, suddenly this, um, opponent. It, it, it wasn't my girl, it was, it was, she had become my opponent. And everything that I did just didn't fit her. Um, it, it wasn't, she didn't accept it. Uh, so I stayed because, of course, I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to, I didn't want to hurt anyone, especially Mrs. Miss Hurt. I didn't want to <clears throat> break her heart. I, I remember very well that when my father left and my mother, um, Betty Sue, had uh, that first attempt at suicide that I woke up to, and that visual in my head, and that was a direct result of my father's um, leaving. Miss um, Hurt had spoken of uh, suicide on a couple of occasions, so that also becomes a factor that's that's also something that that always lives in the back of your brain and uh, you that you fear because when i would leave sometimes i will many times when i would try to leave she would you know stop me at the elevator with the security guards crying screaming you know i can't live without you i'm gonna you know i'm gonna die and you had to get out or even a couple of times when i did escape and i got to my house arrived at my house in sweetser and then five minutes later she would arrive in the, in the i don't know what car she was driving at the time but um, she would arrive in her nightgown screaming in the parking lot in front of in front of my house uh Screaming to high heaven to be four in the morning, three in the morning. It was ludicrous. It was, it was, uh, it was out of control. It was uncontrollable. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we're almost near the end here. Um, so the term monster came up a lot. And he said this was language that Amber had devised to basically describe the person he would become when he, she said he was, you know, under the influence. Mm-hmm. And he says that Amber accused him of having a problem with drugs and alcohol. And that was part of his characterization of him as a monster. And he said that he knew he wasn't a monster, but he would play into this because he said he had to placate her. He said that to have any sort of productive conversation with her, you had to placate. And you know people like that. You know people where if you take any issue with something they say, it's going to cause some huge fight you don't have time for. Right. Um, And he said that... But he says she's totally wrong, that he's not addicted to, he doesn't have a substance abuse issue. Like, yes, he took Roxycodone to stave off withdrawals, but otherwise he says that he, like, really, you can't even tell when he's drunk or anything like Mm -hmm. that. Um, He says he holds substances so well. He says that, you know, her friends would tease him because you can never tell when he was drunk. Like, he just held them so well. However, he said that Amber drank constantly and it was not uncommon for her to drink two bottles herself per night wow um so there's this big champagne story and the champagne story is that he flew to ireland i think it was to present his dear friend with a lifetime achievement award and that um during that 
during that toast that he was poured a glass of champagne and he toasted his friend to be part of the celebration. And he said he had half a glass of champagne. So basically he then was having dinner with Amber shortly thereafter and described his experience to her. And he said he enjoyed the glass of champagne. He said, I don't think I have an alcohol problem. Well, apparently she flew into a blind rage over this. Okay. She freaked out. And he said, well, if you know, if you want me to stop drinking, then why don't you support me and also not drink? And this she flew into a blind rage over. She was so angry about this. And this whole story preceded the, a flight, a very, very seminal flight mm-hmm. between Boston and L.A. So in 2014, when this is all going down, he's filming Black Mass. Um, and he says that he knew when he got on the flight back to LA with Amber um, that she was spoiling for a fight with him on this flight. Okay. Um, And he says on the flight, he was on the flight. He was drawing in his notebook and she was provoking him. He, she, she was just ready to lash out. Yeah. This is when he said her need for violence, her need for conflict came into play. Um, And he says that he basically just went and locked himself in a in a bathroom and went to sleep for Mm -hmm. the remainder of a flight Mm -hmm. to escape her abuse. And this is where we, this is where honestly, the you know his testimony becomes problematic because at the same time, around the same time, he sent a text to Paul Bettany, Uh and because the attorney asked, well, how much did you drink? before that flight yeah and he says oh maybe i don't think i drank anything and he says on the flight you know you have your welcome glass of champagne and he said he think he maybe had half of it okay so he says he basically drank none of it the problem is during cross-examination he has shown texts and this is what he texts paul bettany his friend Mm -hmm. he says i'm he says i'm gonna properly stop the booze thing darling i drank all night before i picked amber up to fly to la this past Mm. sunday and it was ugly mate no food for days powders half a bottle of whiskey a thousand red bulls and vodkas pills two bottles of champers on the plane and what do you get an angry aggro an angry aggro engine in a fucking blackout screaming obscenities and insulting any f any fuck who got near Mm. so anyway the problem with Johnny's testimony is that, like, he's shown things that completely, you know, um, conflict right. or show Negate. that he's not being forthright. Right. Yeah. And what's weird about this is in the past trial in the UK, this same exact thing went down and he did the exact same thing and apologized to the jury for misleading them. Mm. So it's very weird here. It's almost like an act. That he's... Yeah. So he's, but he's not forthright about this. And there's a lot of contradictory testimony. So did he apologize to the jury here? No, that we're we're not there yet. Okay. We're still in his cross-examination. Okay. Okay. Um, Not in my recap, we have not even gotten to the cross-examination, but in the trial, we're still under his cross-examination. Got it. Okay. Anyway. So, and that's the problem. There's just lots of contradiction to Johnny's testimony. Like, um, under Dr. Kipper's detox program. So there's this time when he goes to the island and he does his detox, right, from mm-hmm. the Roxycodone. Yeah. And Debbie Lo- Lloyd, his, his nurse, was there. Dr. Kipper, I believe, was there. And Amber insisted on going. He says she insisted on going. He didn't want her there, but he, but she insisted on going. You could read this as, like, an, an abusive, controlling, oppressive partner 
Um, or you could read it as a concerned, good, kind partner who wants to be there for you during what right. will be one of the most difficult times of your life. Yeah. Um, and anyway, he says that during one time on the island, uh, during this detox that he was about to go through very serious physical withdrawals. And when you're going through that, when you're going through these kind of withdrawals, you can oh, like literally have a seizure. Oh yeah. I like, mean, it's, it's like yeah. very serious. You feel like you're going to die. Yeah. And he says that at one point, um, he really needed his medication and Amber denied it to him. She said it wasn't, his, it wasn't time yet. And he paints this as a, her like cruelly malevolently denying him mm-hmm. of the medication he needed. Whereas like, obviously, um, you know, you could, it could also be read that she was just trying to keep him actually on the detox right on schedule yeah and, totally and do the hard thing of yeah. like forcing him to detox as he had intended and this is also the problem when when they get home um he texts her mom and he says your daughter was just the most incredible angel to me who essentially guided me through this and operated yeah. under just complete you know like care for me and with such instinct and and was just so wonderful and basically like it's not like his it's his word against amber's word it's like his word right now versus his word at the time to other right, people in right. email and text yeah yeah well so and, it's and just from the, the sounds of it no like the answer there's no easy answer and it's also not always all bad like there are these terrible moments and clearly a lot of them, but then there are also, I guess these moments that are good where he is sending text messages. Yeah. Thanking her mom. Yes, exactly. And the, the situation is just not cut and dry. It's not black and white. So, um, anyway, there's also one, you know, kind of interesting tale where, um, Winona, uh, they ask about, you know, if Amber was ever upset over any tattoos that he had. And he said, yes, she didn't love his Winona tattoo. Yeah. Um, and he, and you know, one of Amber alleges that she made fun of that tattoo and he hit her, he slapped her. Um, and he says that like, he thinks of his body as essentially a, a journal and he's Mm -hmm. always thought of it that way. And he says like, why would you care if someone makes fun of your journal? Like things that have happened to you, which I thought was a little suspicious. Like, I feel like if anything, your journal is your most like, um, vulnerable thing for someone to make fun of. And like the one thing that could trigger you a little. Right. So anyway, so we're going to leave it here, but next, the next recap, we're going to talk about his cross examination. So, This is going to be on Patreon. We're going to get into the dark, gruesome details of all the stuff that's happened. It is not for the faint of heart. We're going to continue coverage on the Patreon, and that will be out this Friday. So you can access that Patreon episode via the link in our show notes. Chandler, do you have anything before we sign off today? No, just that I we didn't get to the grumpy. That's the only thing. What's the grumpy? That's what he referred to as the poop in the bed. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I we mean, said, I, not for the oh, faint of heart. Gosh. Take your anti-nausea medicine. Yeah. Get ready for that, baby. Um, okay, so we will get to that and other choppy waters on the high seas of justice on the Patreon out this Friday. So you can sign up for that via the link in our show notes, as I said. Um, you can enter our giveaway by posting on your stories, linking the pod, shouting us out, and, tagging us so we see it. And let us know what you think of the recaps. If you want us to keep going, keep us posted. 
Yeah, people have been loving them. They've yes. told us. People have been loving so, them, and so um, we just want to keep doing them as long as you're loving them. Yes, and please share. Honestly, like, beyond even just the giveaways, like, if you like this, it means so much to us if you would share it with a friend and yes. share the pod. Or leave us a five-star review. We would love to get to a 1,000 reviews. Okay, yep. sorry to be so thirsty, everyone. All right. All right. And Chandler, with that, shall we put down the anchors? I say we put down the anchor, cast the anchor, whatever. All right. Um, we will catch you all next week. Love you. Bye. Love you. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Pop Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Bye.